Linkletter. Maybe you know Art. Uh, used to have a show, Kids Say the Darndest Things. Maybe you uh, watched that in, in days gone by. Uh, once there was a, there was a young man, a, a boy, drawing a picture. Art Linkletter approached him, tried to figure out what the boy was drawing couldn't really figure it out and so he said well tell me about your picture what are you what are you doing here and the the boy told him that he was drawing a picture of God and Art kind of chuckled and said well that's quite a challenge no one knows what God looks like and the boy said well they will when I get done I don't know what comes to mind when, uh, when I uh, mention God, uh, but today as we wrap up this uh, series on the stranger things in the Bible, uh, we're going to be thinking a little bit about not just what God looks like, but, 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 but really, I guess, how big is, is God, or how big is God in your life? Um, for the past couple of months, uh, July and August here, we've been, we've been studying some of these crazier stories in the Bible, demon pigs and pillars of salt and a zombie army and a secret agent taking out a gluttonous king and escaping through the toilet chute. I mean, if you've missed out, you need to go back and check these things out. Uh, I've had, I've had fun and I've, I've heard from, uh, from many of you that, uh, that, that you've, uh, learned a, a couple of things along the way as well. Um. I'd venture to say that, uh, that, that not only in the Bible are there a lot of maybe strange things, strange stories, but I'd venture to say that God is uh, always continuing to work, even in our lives today, and sometimes maybe it seems pretty strange. Uh, as, as we think about, as we evaluate, what, what, what has God been doing in, in your life? Um, what is he calling you to do? Maybe it seems a little Strange, and that actually transitions us pretty well right into this. Uh, the last story that we're going to look at in our series—it's all about a guy named uh, Benaiah. He's—he's uh, he's not mentioned a lot; just a few verses here and there, mentioned a couple of places. But—but uh, but he was living and active uh, all through the story of King David. So maybe you've heard of King David and the—the the, uh, you know killing uh, the uh, Goliath and and then David's son Solomon. Benaiah was still around during uh, during that as as David was uh, was uh, before he became king. Then he became king. Uh, David died. Solomon became king. Benaiah's there all the way along. He's one of David's mighty warriors or mighty men. Uh, mentioned in Second Samuel, uh, also in uh, in Chronicles, and uh, David appointed him to be his bodyguard. So, so kind of a, a, a pretty prestigious deal. And then under Solomon, Solomon actually uh, promoted Benaiah to be commander of the entire army. So, uh, a pretty big deal. Uh, several years ago, maybe you're you're familiar uh, that that Pastor Mark Batterson of National Community Church in D.C. Uh, he wrote a book all about Benaiah. So it's literally three verses, and he wrote a book. Um, we pastors tend to be able to do that. So uh, um, we, can, we can just make a lot out of, uh, out of a lot, I guess. But uh, anyway, uh, I want us to read that, that uh, just those three verses in 2 Samuel 23, verses 20 through 23. It says this, there was also Benaiah, son of Jehoiada, a valiant warrior from Kabzeel. He did many heroic deeds, which included killing two of Moab's mightiest warriors. Another time he chased a lion down into a pit. Then despite the snow and slippery ground, he caught the lion and killed it. Another time, armed only with a club, he killed a great Egyptian warrior who was armed with a spear. Benaiah wrenched the spear from the Egyptian's hand and killed him with it. 
These are some of the deeds that made Benaiah almost as famous as the three, three men that they mentioned earlier in the passage. Uh, He was more honored than the other members of the 30, though he was not one of the three, and David made him commander of his bodyguard. So that, that probably, uh, it, it, this probably isn't a shock, but Benaiah would not have been the odds-on favorite in those the three different scenarios there that, they, that, they lay, that he, uh, Samuel lays out there for, for what Benaiah did. Uh, he, he wouldn't have been favored in any of those battles, right? Uh, I mean, uh, he, was, he was double-teamed by two mighty Moabites. If I'm placing my bets on an average-sized Israelite with a club uh, or a giant with an Egyptian, a giant Egyptian with a spear, that's one of the other ones, then, then my money is, is going with the spear, most likely, right? And, uh, and, and I don't know that we even ca- can calculate the, uh, the odds of man versus lion, but Benaiah was, was, was uh, the not favored in any of those. Now, lions uh, grow up to weigh uh, up to 500 pounds. They can run 35 miles an hour. Their vision is five times better than a human with 20-20 eyesight. Uh, that lion had a, uh, a big advantage in that pit on a snowy day. Sure-footed lion, a cat-like reflex. Well, I guess he is a cat and, uh, and, and can, can probably get a, lot, a good grip in the slippery conditions. Uh, Benaiah was not favored in this fight. He's in over his head in every one of these encounters. He was, he was, I guess we could probably accuse him of not choosing his battles wisely, right? Uh, he was outmanned, he was outsized. And, and, and on one level, that might seem reckless. But if we kind of turn the tide a little bit, I wonder if we'd even be uh, reading about Benaiah. See, if, if Benaiah and a, and a friend uh, had defeated a single Moabite, well, that wouldn't be any big deal, right? Or, or if Benaiah had defeated a small Egyptian, uh, no, big, no big problem there. Or, or if Benaiah had chased his cat Fluffy down a pit and came out with it. You know, not, not, we're not writing about that in the Bible, right? It's, it's, not a, it's not a big deal. The odds would have been in his favor. Uh, most of us, though, don't like being in pits with lions on snowy days. But those are the stories worth telling. Those are the experiences that make life worth living. Uh, Teddy Roosevelt, uh, I read a book earlier this year about uh, Teddy Roosevelt and, and uh, known for being an outdoorsman and a, and a hunter and, and well, he carried a big stick, right? And, uh, and, and all, the, all the things, uh, actually, he grew up uh, battling asthma and was kind of sickly a lot of the time. Maybe you know all that story, but here's, here's a quote from, from, uh, from Theodore Roosevelt. Far better it is to dare mighty things, to win glorious triumphs, even though checkered by failure, than to rank with those poor spirits who neither enjoy much nor suffer much because they live in the gray twilight that knows not victory nor defeat. Lion chasers don't try to avoid situations where the odds are against them. Lion chasers know that impossible odds set the stage for amazing miracles, right? In other words, stepping courageously into the future with God as he's leading us, despite the odds, uh, uh, despite how things might appear, uh, actually shows how big you believe your God is. If you're playing it safe or if there, there are... Uh, 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 
if, if there are places where we're stepping back, then, then it kind of reveals that God is, is maybe uh, not as big as uh, in your life as maybe he needs to be. Uh, are, are there places where we're stepping back or holding back, or are you, are you uh, jumping in with both feet uh, and, uh, and doing the things that even if God, uh, I mean, if God doesn't come through, everything's going to fall apart, and so I'm relying completely on him. That appears how, is how Benaiah lived his life. I, and it goes without saying that if you find yourself in a pit with a lion on a snowy day, you've got a problem, right? Could very well be the last problem you ever have, right? Um, uh, this, is, this is perhaps how it's going to end for you. But, but you've got to admit, uh, and in Benaiah's case, it looked awful good on a resume, um, he, uh, he was applying for the bodyguard position of the king of Israel and, uh, and uh, he got that job primarily because of his history and his courage in, uh, in things in the past. Um, he became, as, as I said, second in command in Israel under, under Solomon, the, the captain of the uh, commander-in-chief of the army. Uh, um, but, but it could all be traced back to these encounters that, that Benaiah had, uh, including this one with a... Uh, with a lion on a snowy day. So uh, the question then, okay, I'm not going to probably fight any lions. I'm not going to go after any Egyptians. It's not going to happen. That physically, that's not going to happen. But, but uh, the question is, am I going to run away from what, I, what, what scares me, what I'm afraid of? Or am I going to go toward those things? I mean, am I going to go into that pit? Uh, am I going to let fear dictate my decisions? Or am I going to live by faith and... In, uh, theoretically chase the lions in, our, in your life. I, not much has, uh, has changed over 3,000 years when we, when we lack the, uh, the, the courage to, to go after God-ordained, God-sized dreams. We rob God of the glory that, that he desires and that he deserves. As, uh, as Batterson, I think, says it, and it's probably not original with him, but, but you can do nothing wrong and still do nothing right. Right, we can we can hold back and, and play it safe in life, uh, not just in life, but in our relationship with God, in our spiritual life. Uh, we can we can stay back and uh, and not ever dive into the adventure that God might have for us. Uh, I believe they said it at the intro of the video. There, uh, a lot of people live as if the purpose of life is to arrive safely at death. Uh, we're just going to be safe until uh, life takes its course. But but uh, I think the story of Benaiah uh, challenges us to um, to dream. God's dreams and allow him to do his work through us everything will fall apart unless he comes through for us and so we we sense where he's leading us and we step out even if it seems like the odds are against us I, I think there's a lot of us uh, that, that that wants God to reduce the odds for us right we want situations where the odds are in our favor but 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 sometimes God allows the odds to be stacked against us so he can uh, reveal more of his glory again the question is how big is your god is he bigger than your biggest problem is he bigger than your worst failure is he bigger than your greatest fear god is described all over scripture uh one one place where it talks about god's hugeness otherliness is isaiah chapter 55 verses 8 and 9 say this for my thoughts are not your thoughts neither are your ways my ways declares the lord as the heavens are higher than the earth so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts i i believe it's in the in the 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 batterson book uh 
and he, he kind of expands on this and expounds on it and, and, and basically goes into the science behind all of that. So God's ways are higher than ours. Uh, how much higher? Well, uh, as, as the heavens are higher above the earth, so are my ways and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. Well, let's think about that for just a minute. Light travels at the speed of 186,000 miles per second. In the time that it takes you to snap your fingers... Light circumnavigates the globe half a dozen times. So it's kind of quick. Uh, that, uh, to, to, here's a little bit of a perspective. Uh, the, so the sun is 93 million miles away. If you could drive to the sun, traveling 65 miles an hour, 24 hours a day, 365 days a year, no pit stops, no rest stops, no gas stops, uh, it would take you 163 years to get from the earth to the sun. So, yet, when we look out the window, well, maybe not today, but when we look out the window on a sunny day, the sunlight that we are feeling on our skin, that we're uh, looking up and seeing, is only eight minutes old. So it's traveled all of that time, or or all of that space, in only eight minutes. Uh, The the warmth that you feel, uh, the, the, the sunlight that you see, is only eight minutes old. So... Our sun, though, stick with me here, our sun is just the nearest star in our whole galaxy, right? So uh, astrophysicists at the European Southern Observatory have discovered galaxies 13.2 billion light years away. And so if if you do the math, and Mark Batterson has, uh, one light year is equivalent to 5.88 trillion miles. So the furthest galaxy is 13.2 billion times 5.88 trillion miles away. Somebody want to do, no, don't do that math. Don't worry. It's it's just, we just know that it's, it's incomprehensible how far that is. And God says that is about the distance between his thoughts and our thoughts, Uh, our ways and his ways. Your best thought about God on your best day falls 13.2 billion light years short of how great and how good God really is. We underestimate God by 13.2 billion light years. God is 13.2 billion light years bigger than your wildest imagination. When God says, as the heavens are above the earth, so are my ways, my thoughts, higher than your thoughts, that puts it in a little bit of a perspective. I, I think we try to fit God into being someone that we can understand and control but God is incomprehensible and uncontrollable. So we, we have to make the choice. Either we can embrace the mystery and the majesty of God and celebrate what we can't comprehend and control, or we can create God in our image and make him a, quote, God that we can control and comprehend. In the words of A.W. Tozer again, he says, the end result is a God who can never surprise us, never astonish us, never overwhelm us, and never transcend us. 
This story of Benaiah going into a pit with a lion on a snowy day and coming out victorious is a, uh, is a challenging, inspiring story. And it is a story that, that can uh, allow us to see that when we're following God's plan, even if it doesn't make sense, even if it appears that, that everything is going to fall apart and this will be the last story that's told or written about us, we can step into that with confidence knowing that God's ways are higher than our ways. And, uh, and, and even though it seems incomprehensible, we can trust him. It takes faith, right? Faith to believe and to follow this God that you can't comprehend and that you can't control. Uh, so so I just want to spend a, a few minutes here thinking a little bit about faith. And, and again, Batterson describes faith in a couple of ways. There's a whole lot of uh, uh, definitions of faith. Uh, one thing he says is that faith is the willingness to look foolish. Faith is the willingness to look foolish. Um, there's probably not anything more foolish than chasing a lion into a snowy pit uh, with only uh, whatever rudimentary weapons that Benaiah had. But, but that's faith. Anything that God asks you to do will require faith. And it probably will appear, on the surface anyway, it will appear foolish. I was thinking back uh, 18 plus years ago, 15 or 50 people meeting in a rundown church building on Lafayette Road in Medina, Ohio, uh, had no business selling everything and trying to build a new facility. And yet here we sit uh, 18 years later, and I'm sure it looked pretty foolish in the, uh, in, in the short term that we were going to try to accomplish this thing. And yet God had great plans in store for our church. The, the scripture's full of this. I mean, uh, Noah looked foolish building the ark, right? People jeered at him and mocked him. I mean, uh, Sarah looked foolish buying maternity clothes at age 90, right? Uh, uh, David looked foolish going into battle with just a slingshot. Benaiah looked foolish chasing that lion into that pit. The wise men looked foolish following a star. Peter looked foolish getting out of the boat and walking on water. Uh, Jesus looked foolish hanging on a cross. But again, faith is the willingness to look foolish and and the results speak for themselves. Noah was saved from the flood. Sarah gave birth to Isaac. David defeated Goliath. Benaiah killed a lion in a pit on a snowy day. The wise men found the Messiah. Peter walked on water and Jesus was raised from the dead. Uh, I think that actually, if, if you're not willing to look foolish... You're foolish, right? That's what, what faith is all about. It's that fear of foolishness that stands between us and the dreams that God has for us. Oh, I can't really step into that. Uh, just what would people, th- I mean, I don't know what, what, what you're struggling with or what decisions you're, you're thinking. Maybe God is calling me here, but I don't really want to. And I'm, I don't know, I can't tr- change majors in college. I, I might look foolish or, or I can't quit my job. I, uh, that would be foolish. I can't go to counseling. Uh, what would people think? That might be foolish. I can't ask her out. I can't ask him. It might be foolish. I can't share my faith with, with someone. What are they going to think? They're going to think I'm out of my mind. I might look foolish. I can't pray for a miracle. That might look foolish. I'm not going to fill out that application. That, that would just be foolish. Well, I can't make that move. That, that might be foolish. I can't make that call. I might be considered foolish i think the challenge from beniah from from scripture is to go ahead and look foolish if god is calling you into this and and you have your your faith will lead you even though it appears to be foolish on the surface uh your your faith is the willingness to look foolish in the short term in order to allow god to accomplish his goals 
in the long term. Faith is the willingness to look foolish. Faith is also, uh, it, it also means unlearning our fears. You can, you can run away from what you're afraid of, but you may be running away from uh, the, 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 the best of the rest of your life that God has planned for. Don't let your fear, I guess that's the, the, the thing, don't let your fear dictate your decisions. They say there, I mean, there are thousands of uh, fears and phobias that are diagnosed by counselors and psychologists uh, and doctors all the time. But, but, uh, but they say that there are only two fears that we are born with. The fear of falling and the fear of loud noises. Um, don't go drop a baby and try that out. Just, uh, just take my word for it. Uh, it. That means that all the rest of those fears are learned and what is learned can be unlearned. We all, we all wrestle with, the fear, uh, with, with fear and anxiety at some point and, and some more than others. Of course, there are, there's uh, uh, some uh, that, that have that reached the clinical level and you should go to a counselor or a psychologist or doctor for the for for those issues uh much of the time we're just kind of worried about things and 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 we're wondering well is god going to come through here and i i love the definition i've said it a hundred times i can't even remember who said i think it was oswald chambers worry is just calculating without god right Uh, we're we're trying to work it all out and it won't work out but we haven't entered god into the equation uh the scripture says over and over again do not be afraid when god calls us we we need to head into that pit we need to chase that lion even even when we're scared. Again, uh, Batterson goes into all this scientific stuff and I, I guess I geek out on it a little bit. So uh, uh, another illustration here, uh, social psychologists, a couple decades ago, uh, a couple of uh, social psychologists uh, carried out a study that made a distinction between two kinds of regret. Uh, first, there are action regrets, things that, that we wish we hadn't done. Oh, wish I hadn't said that. Wish I hadn't gone there. Wish I hadn't done that. Uh, but then there are also inaction regrets, things that we wish we had done, uh, that, uh, man, we had that opportunity and I didn't do that. And, and I, I, I could have, but I, and I should have, and, and, uh, what they've discovered in that study was in the short term, um, the, the action regrets, and the inaction regrets, uh, we kind of regret those things in, in about the same ratio. Uh, we regret actions over inactions. Uh, 53% to 47%. It's kind of a wash uh, that, uh, that, that in the short term, right after it happened, oh, I regret I did that or I regret I didn't do that. It was about half and half. But, but they said in the long term, as we look back over our lives, this study showed that we tend to regret our inactions to our actions 84% to 16%. I, I mean, it's, it's a huge difference. In other words, 84% of our regrets are going to be the lions that we didn't chase, the challenges that God laid before us and we didn't step into those. I'm not saying to be, be uh, uh, just uh, ridiculous and, and step out and, oh, I'm just gonna do this. Pastor said I need to go be, be uh, spontaneous and jump out. and do it, we, We've got to sense God's call and God's draw. But, but when he does that, even if it looks foolish and even if it's scary, like going into a pit with a lion on a snowy day, if he's calling us to that, we've got to step into that. We don't want to regret not following where God is leading. Uh, one... Uh, author described this phenomenon this way. Neil Rose says, when we look back at our lives as a whole, we are most haunted by things that are left undone. And he says, like romantic opportunities untried, career changes unexplored, friendships left untended. To that, I would add, following God's lead, even when it appears ridiculous. 
even when it's difficult. Some people ask the question, maybe you've heard this question asked, maybe you've answered this question for yourself. If, if you knew you couldn't fail, what dream would you go after? Eh, that's a good question. Uh, there, there might be an even better one. Here, here's this, uh, if you knew you would fail, what dream would you still go after because you couldn't live without, with yourself if you didn't? It's, it's not about winning or losing. It's not about success and failure. I, I guess what I'm, what I'm trying to get out here today is that it's about obedience, that we can't hold back because of fear, because of uh, 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 insecurity, because of one, uh, the, uh, thinking we might look foolish. We, we can't hold back on what God is calling us to step into. Faith is all about trusting God to lead us, even if it means something as crazy as chasing a lion into a pit in the middle of winter. Which brings us back around to the question, how big is your God? Over time, a couple of things happen, I think. Either your your theology conforms to your reality and your God gets smaller. Or your reality conforms to your theology and your God gets bigger. Psalm 34 says, oh magnify the Lord with me, let us exalt his name forever. What does magnify mean? Well, we're going to make it bigger, right? Uh, Magnify the Lord with me. Uh, Enlarge the Lord with me. If we ignore God, uh, he gets reduced in size in our lives. He gets smaller and smaller and and he's less of a force in our lives. We're looking at all these things that that, that make sense and and I'm not going to go against the odds and I'm not going to do what he's calling me to and I'm reducing his influence in my life. But, But as we walk with God and we follow him and we experience him coming through for us here and there and there and there and we 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 uh, we read scripture and and we pray and and we see his answers and and our problems get smaller and our god magnifies gets bigger we worship him when we obey his leading we're magnifying god we're enlarging his influence in our lives how big is your god is he bigger than your biggest problem Is he bigger than your worst failure? Is he bigger than your greatest fear? Is your God bigger than that 500-pound lion that he's challenging you to chase? I think we need to follow Benaiah's example and trust God no matter where he's leading, no matter what it looks like. We need to step into the, uh, the, 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 the calling that he has for each of us. Father God, we thank you for, uh, for your work in the world and in our lives. We thank you for these stories that we've looked at over the last couple of months and, and uh, for the ways that you have been uh, literally involved with, uh, with your people uh, throughout history. Lord, I pray that as we go from here today that we can sense your calling, that we can not shy away from what you might be leading us into, that, that, that we'll have the courage to uh, not recklessly uh, pursue things, but, but, but uh, faithfully pursue what you desire for, desire for us, even if it seems strange, even if it seems foolish, even if it's scary. Lord, I, I pray that you would guide and direct our steps and, and maybe we'll look back uh, uh, a little while from now and be able to trace where your hand has moved and worked and the the amazing maybe even strange ways that you have moved and worked through our lives to uh, to impact this world for you lord go with us now in the power of your spirit uh, enable us to be your hands and feet and voice in the world as we uh, love the people around us and uh, introduce them to abundant life in you in jesus name we pray amen